Good morning, guys. Welcome to another week with Media Masters. I hope you're having a wonderful day and looking forward to this week's topic as much as I am. Throughout the episodes, we've explored many mass communications theories. However, there is one that stuck out to me and I really wanted to delve into. As promised, today we will be looking into the history of the creation and research behind the uses and gratification theory and apply it to a contemporary medium, much like, well, the one we're using right now, podcasts. Sit tight and open your ears and your minds to be able to fully understand the idea that we as individuals are taking power over the media as opposed to the media taking power over us. Today, the uses and gratification theory will help us examine the contemporary growing interest in podcasts. To begin, let's discuss what the uses and gratification theory is solo. The premise of the uses and gratification theory revolves around the question why. Why do you listen to certain podcasts? Why do you follow certain pages on social media? Why do you play the video games you do or watch the movies you watch? Compared to the effects theory, which focused on what the media did to its audience, suggesting that individuals are passive at the mercy of whatever the media is communicating, the uses and gratification theory put forward that the audience is viewed as active participants in their media interactions. In other words, this means that users deliberately choose media that will satisfy given needs and allow one to enhance knowledge, relaxation, social interactions and companionship, diversion, or escape. This theory dates back to as early as the 1940s, but it wasn't until the 1970s that researchers such as Jay Bloomer and Dennis McQuail delved into the idea. The roots of the theory lie in the early research studies of radio listeners in the 1940s. The research conducted for the uses and gratification theory can be broken down into three stages that bring us into modern-day application of the hypothesis. The first stage consisted of a study by Herta Herzog in 1944, who interviewed people that listened to soap operas and determined that they sought three different types of gratification from this form of media. Wishful thinking, learning, and emotional satisfaction were three of the gratifications satisfied by watching soap operas. In 1954, Wilbert Schramm developed a formula for determining which media an individual might select, contributing to modern developments for this theory. This formula considered the amount of gratification an individual expected to receive out of a certain media and the amount of effort that the individual was willing to give to obtain the gratification. Stage 1 was also when Maslow put forward that the uses and gratification theory was the extension of the needs he had organized into a hierarchy that he created before the idea or foundation research was created for the uses and gratification theory. Stage two welcomed the two main theorists of the use and gratification theory in 1969. Jay Bloomer and Dennis McQuail studied the 1964 election in the United Kingdom. They categorized people's motives for watching specific political programs. The results formed the foundation for their research in 1972 and later greeted the formal uses and gratification theory. During that same year, McQuail, Bloomer, and Joseph Brown proposed four uses of media. They found that the four primary needs audiences can satisfy with the media are surveillance, which relates to the need to know or curiosity, and we seek through news, documents, or Times Education reports. 2. Sense of personal identity, which relates to our personal values and beliefs, and we view from Teen Magazine or GQ on how ideal men or women is supposed to be perceived. 3. Personal relationships, 
which is associated with loneliness, attachment to characters from shows like Grey's Anatomy, or even breakfast radio DJs. Additionally, it enables personal relationships in our own lives. And the fourth and final need is diversion, where the media is used to satisfy the need to pass time or escape through TV, music, or video games. People often use media as a diversion from the real life's real world's chaos. After their breakthrough in establishing the four primary needs, they joined forces with other colleagues, Michael Gruvich, Hadassah Haz, Iluhai Katz, to research how audiences perceived mass media. Stage three of the uses and gratification history brings us to modern day implementation of the theory research where theorists are exploring predictive and explanatory possibilities of the theory by connecting media usage with individual factors. There is a peaking interest in the link between why media is used and the gratification received. The research conducted throughout the decades on the uses and gratification theory has been crucial to a transition that focuses on media users and their agency in the field of mass media studies. Today, the uses and gratification theory is more relevant than ever with the improvements of digital technology and the emergence of communication mediums like social media and the platforms that they are using to be able to support it. As I mentioned before, podcasts are a contemporary example of an audience using the media to satisfy their own motivations, needs, and additionally to establish fulfillment. The idea of podcasts, formerly known as audio blogging, has been ingrained in our society since the late 80s, unintentionally sowing the seeds of one of the most popular communication mediums throughout the 2000s and a breeding ground for independent content creators or organizations looking for exciting new ways to engage with their audiences. The idea for audio blogging was originally influenced by broadcast radio, which provided live pop music, news, and talk show elements. After the release of the first iPod in 2001, Adam Curry, who was previously employed with MTV, and Dave Weiner, a software developer, created a plan that would allow them to download online radio broadcasts from the internet to the Apple iPod. Weiner had produced an RSS, a really simple syndication aggregator software. At the time, Curry worked on a coding program titled iPodder that allowed extracted audio files from the RSS feed to be transferred to an iPod and created a feature that differentiated itself from traditional radio. Multiple radio broadcast files could now be stored on a portable device for users to pause, play, and listen to on the go. Since the release of Apple's iPod in 2001, which provided a platform for podcasts to be shared, the medium has been improving throughout the evolution of digital technology, making podcasts more accessible and easy for audiences to support. In addition to Curry and Weiner's invention, in February of the same year, journalist Ben Hammersley published a now well-known article about the dawning cascade of online radio, referring to the rising trend of the iPod, affordability of home audio production software, and the present incline of web blogging. Hammersley's thesis was that there would be a boom with a mixture of these factors in amateur radio. He continued to provide prospective titles of the soon-to-be giant wave of online broadcasting. In the final analysis, Podcasting was a neologism of the words iPod and broadcast, which became the emerging platform's label.
With the improvements and unique offerings that podcast presented, it also encouraged audience segmentation. Podcasts are versatile, diverse, and easily accessible for independent creators and its general audiences. Creators can produce niche content for individuals who choose to seek them and use them for their own satisfaction. Additionally, what they use podcasts for can be linked to the four primary needs audiences can satisfy from the media proposed by Bloom and McQuail. However, through the years, the uses and gratification research was afflicted by its inception by criticisms that it does not meet the standards that are necessary to be considered a theory, mostly for the reasons that gratifications are dependent on researchers' input than on the subjects, and different audiences will have different motivations for consuming the media, therefore it's difficult to measure. Despite the criticisms, the theory is most relevant and useful today as it can be applied to the fast growth and expansions of TV, the internet, and an endless variety of media entertainment options that aids in consolidating the argument that an individual or particular audiences have power over their media consumption. People are becoming more and more web literate and selective over what media they consume. The emergence of platforms like podcasts is becoming so popular and almost essential because of its variety. In a theoretical sense, there is literally a podcast for everyone. The same can be applied to modern social media. There is an influencer for everyone to follow and users only do so when their values, interests, and needs are met through consuming their content. This has also helped become a PR industry tool, where we are constantly thinking about what to communicate to our audiences through different writing styles and platforms to resonate with them enough for them to select our content and gratify their own personal needs. Going forward, I encourage you to be more observant of the media you are consuming and why you're consuming it. What is the purpose? What wants and needs are being met? Also, click subscribe if you're interested in next week's topic about generational use of social media so you don't miss it. Thanks again for listening.